Welcome into the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzine Vasugi, and alongside Zach Stegno, we appreciate you guys taking the time to download and listen to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. I apologize for this episode coming out a little bit late, dealing with some technical difficulties. Uh, so that's why this episode is a little bit delayed. But you know what? I think the podcast gods were looking at for us because there is a lot of news. Uh, some breaking news regarding Tyreek Hill. An update on that. We will get into that. Also talk more Chiefs wide receivers with Sammy Watkins and look a little bit on the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And of course, we will do our closing segments and we'll bring back the hot take segment. We did that last week and we're going to do it once again. A lot to get into here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast, plus a couple of texts from you guys. So we'll read those texts throughout the show as well. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugin. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and follow Zach at Z Stegenga on the Tweet Machine. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And again, make sure you do leave a voicemail or text us 913-808-2119-913-808-2119. And as I said earlier, I'm joined by Zach Stegna back here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Zach, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Farzine. You know, it's a beautiful week here in Kansas City and uh, just excited here for round two. Yes. Uh, so you, you were not you, you were not chased away. the The haters did not force you to want to to want to leave the podcast or anything. What haters? No, they didn't chase me off at all. And I, you, you if never there were haters, haters, I sure didn't see them. So hoping that's the case still. We'll knock uh, on no, wood actually, and make sure it doesn't come back. But uh, a couple of uh, a couple of people sent some great comments about it. In fact, one of our common guests, Daniel Harms, uh, or I should say comment, he's only been on the podcast once, but we're definitely going to have him back on later on. But uh, he had some positive things to say, and a lot of people really enjoying his work. I know he's kind of picking up uh, more of a following on social media with the things he does at Arrowhead Guys with his film reviews. So very kind of him, very nice guy. And uh, he had a lot of good things to say about the podcast. Uh, and here's the thing I will say. So um, for the longest time, people have been asking, when are you going to get a co-host? You should get a co-host. And I've always agreed. It's like I just haven't had anyone like trustworthy or, or someone who I've been wanting to do this with. I mean, there have been people, people who I've talked to about this, but they say yes, and then they don't realize the time commitment and all those things. Uh, and it is pretty hard. Uh, and you know, any good podcast out there, there's always a co-host. On that podcast, not just a one-man band, unless you're Joe Rogan, in which he always has a guest on his podcast. I think only one or two times he's done it by himself. But, uh, yeah, so a lot of you guys have been asking that for the longest time, and here we are. Uh, and now, uh, there are a lot of things to get into here regarding Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. Real quickly, because the Tyreek Hill story, big story, we do need to get into that. But uh, I do want to touch on this real quickly, because I think this is a really cool thing. And if you are... From Kansas City, this is something you definitely should be proud of, and it is the Big Slick KC event. Uh, it's a two-day event in Kansas City where the local celebrities, uh, Paul Rudd, uh, Rob Riggle, David Keckner, Eric Stone Street, and Jason Sudeikis, uh, they get together for a, a great event that benefits Children's Mercy Hospital, and I know every year they uh, raise the bar and all, uh, the money that they have received f- f- in donations for Children's Mercy, which is awesome. They go to Children's Mercy and, and interact with the kids. They have the celebrity softball game in KC. Uh, the bowling tournament they do. The uh, the show party. This year it's going to be at the Sprint Center. Uh, and, and look, if you can donate, that'd be awesome. If not, hey, it's not my place to judge. I understand some people may not be in position to. But at least give them a retweet or a share on social media. Because these guys deserve it. And it's for... An awesome cause, a really great weekend, and uh, they had the celebrity softball game at Coffin Stadium 
on Friday evening before the game, and Patrick Mahomes hit a home run. Uh, he he participated in that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Dustin Colquitt. Kelsey and Colquitt have participated before. I know Britton Colquitt, uh, Dustin's brother, uh, played for the Broncos for a long time. He's uh, been part of Big Slick as well in the past. Uh, Chris Daughtry, I know he comes out every year. Uh, David Cook also comes out every year. The the, the American Idols, uh, I guess, uh, coming out every year. Uh, so many other celebrities. I mean, that's just a short list. It's really cool just to see this event that they put together. And the fact that it, it's the guys from Kansas City that come back to their hometowns for this event. I believe this is the only time the five guys are together in one setting. So this is pretty cool to, to, to see an event like this uh, put together by the local uh, KC celebrities. Absolutely. And to be honest, I think it's one of the most Kansas City events you could really find in that you don't see this sort of thing anywhere else throughout the country, or at least if if it has happened, I don't, I haven't seen the press on it. And, you know, the big slick has certainly gotten some national level uh, publicity at this point. So I just think it's awesome the way that, you know, these guys grow up locally, make it big, and then still choose to give back, you know, they could give back to so many different causes given their profiles, but instead they all come together for the benefit of children's mercy here in town, which is, you know, an absolute gem of a hospital. And it's really, you know, a treasure for the city. Yeah, it really is cool. Um, I was reading some of the comments, and uh, you you remember the sixth sense, sixth sense, excuse me, with Haley Joel Osment, yeah, and pay it forward. So he, I, I was reading the comments on the Facebook page, and he was up to to bat. They 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 shared the video live on Facebook on the Royals page, Rob Riggle's page, and all the other celebrities on their Facebook pages. Uh, but when Haley Joel Osment came up to bat. Every single person in the comment section goes, I see dead people, I see dead people, I see dead people. It's like that one thing as a child actor always continues to follow him no matter what. I don't know what he's been doing lately. Have you followed his work lately? I can't say that I have. I mean, I could, okay. but I'd be lying. So, no. I mean, I'm sure he's doing something probably more behind the scenes, behind the camera type of stuff nowadays. Um, but I was not aware he was still active in the um, in the film industry in, in, a, in a manner uh, real funny story. So the, this was 2015, the year the Royals won the World Series. And, and I think that was the year Big Slick got a lot of attention because in the past they did like a small poker tournament and they did do the softball game on the field, but it still didn't get the attention it really deserved until the Royals had that dominance of the back-to-back World Series appearances. But um, the five celebrities, uh, they brought kids from Children's Mercy Hospital to throw out the first pitch before the game, the ceremonial first pitch. And uh, the kids were not throwing baseballs. And the, the the celebrities are behind home plate, just kind of waiting awkwardly. And someone in my headset, for those who know, I've run the audio for the Royals before. Someone in my headset goes, "They don't have baseballs." And everybody, I mean, the everyone loses it. There's a big commotion and argument. It's it's insane. It was it's it's funny looking back, but in the moment, it was a really egregious error to not have the baseball for a ceremonial first pitch. But um, Jeremy Guthrie, who was on the team at the time, all these players are friends with these celebrities. So Guthrie was paying attention. They're all paying attention because it's their friends who are part of this. Guthrie ran, or he ran onto the field with a bunch of baseballs in his hands and starts distributing them to these kids. And it's like, you would think that for ceremonial first pitch, you've got to have the baseball ready for these kids. I mean, you would think so. But to be honest, I was in the stands for that. And the way that they played it off, it was all pretty funny. I mean, certainly a miss, but... In the grand scheme of things, not a huge deal because ultimately everybody was still out there, you know, having a good time and enjoying the fact that, you know, these kids are having a once in a lifetime sort of experience. So 
Yeah. yeah. They should have had the baseballs, sure, but it was still pretty funny for everybody else involved. I can tell you this. Uh, in the years after that year in 2015, when they have the uh, production meeting for every Royals game, for makes like they have to have it a little sooner because the event starts way earlier and all. Uh, there's always that running joke, you know, for ceremonial first pitch, make sure the kids have baseballs, make sure the kids have baseballs. So uh, it is one of the things that the Royals production staff has been able to kind of look back at and just kind of chuckle about. Because, hey, mistakes happen. Uh, it's 81 home games, man. Uh, if you think it's going to go perfectly 81 times, uh, I mean, you're mistaken. But uh, neither here nor there. Uh, Bixler Casey, awesome event. Like I said, donate or at least share retweet because these guys really do deserve it. And uh, it, it is uh, a Kansas City event, which is so awesome. So uh, please give them the uh, coverage that they deserve one way or another uh, for a great cause. Again, it's for Children's Mercy Hospital. All right, Zach, we got a lot to talk about here. Uh, breaking news on the Tyreek Hill situation. So uh, let me just go in chronological order. Because last week you and I talked about how the wheels were turning so fast with the story at one point, And then uh, there was this big freeze. And now here we are in early June. And we've got some major updates on the Tyreek Hill situation. So on Thursday afternoon, Sports Radio A10 reported that investigators in the Tyreek Hill case, they were looking at the possibility of Hill's fiance suffering from fictitious disorder by proxy previously known as Munchausen syndrome. And basically what that is, it is a, in, in simple terms here, a mental disorder in which a person repeatedly feigns or fakes severe illness so as they could obtain hospital treatment. Another definition I saw online that could maybe give people an understanding of the situation, a mental disorder in which a person seeks attention by including or feigning illness in another person, typically a child. And of course, uh, the three-year-old child involved in this whole situation, that's essentially why we're even here talking about this. And then, uh, I believe it was Friday late in the morning, it was reported that Tyreek Hill will not be charged of anything. Uh, in fact, the Johnson County DA had mentioned, uh, I believe it was in a press release, that the case was no longer active. It had not been active. Uh, however, the Chiefs have not said anything on this. He is still suspended from team activities, although I imagine in the next 24, 48, 72 hours, depending when you're listening to this, we could see a change in that. NFL Network did report that there is, quote, every reason to believe that he should be re- back with the team real soon and that he'll be reunited with the team before training camp. Uh, obviously, a lot I just threw out there. Let me just say this, because there are people out there, and look, I have had this thought about many situations regarding celebrities, athletes, actors, whoever, that anytime it seems like there's a chance that they committed a crime. They may not suffer a big punishment. In fact, in our penalty flag segment, spoiler alert, we do talk about an incident that took place in the NBA Finals where someone did get in trouble, but had that been anybody else, maybe you you see a, a different situation there uh, because of someone's personal stature, so to say, in the public. But uh, not to get off topic, with the Tyreek Hill situation, here you are, and a lot of people are saying that Tyreek Hill did something and got away with it. Look, if you have that opinion, if you think that, I suppose you're allowed to have that opinion, but if you're going to say that, if you're going to make such accusation, you better have a reason to have that strong belief here. Because, as we all know, you are innocent until proven guilty, Zach. Uh 
But at the end of the day, Tyreek Hill, he has not been charged with anything. In fact, this is not the first time it has been said that he is not going to be charged. And here we are, you know, time of, unfortunately has been wasted at this point. But at the same time, I will say there is a three-year-old chi- child's uh, health that's more important here. And it needs to be figured out what to do. The Chiefs, I feel like they did the right thing by suspending him after the whole audio incident. And just saying, hey, look, let him figure things out on his own. Let the investigation roll roll out. And once it's all over, he'll eventually get back with the team. And now here we are. Uh, we're still waiting on a potential suspension. He, There is a possibility that the league could say that he violated the NFL's personal conduct policy. A lot of people are anticipating a suspension. In fact, Sammy Watkins, which we'll touch on later, he did an interview on Sirius XM saying that Hey, look, we're, we're, we are anticipating a suspension, and we've got to move on with or without him. Uh, obviously, I threw a lot at you, Zach. I'm curious, with everything that has really unfolded in the past 24 to 48 hours and everything before that with the audio and the Johnson County DA not charging anyone at the time, what are your thoughts and just where's your stance on everything right now with the whole Tyreek Hill situation? I mean, I think that... From Tyreek's perspective, the developments of this past week are certainly a positive thing without a shred of doubt. Uh, the fact that he's not going to be charged, uh, I think that based on everything that we've learned so far this week, you know, all of the information that's in our hands you know, as of Friday afternoon, I think that you know, he stands a very significant chance of being reinstated to you know, rejoin team activities before too long. But that being said... I wouldn't be surprised at all, nor should any of our listeners be. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he still has a suspension coming down because ultimately he did violate the league's personal conduct policy, which, while nonspecific, certainly seems to have one thing in common, which is to say you had some issue off the field and it made it to the public eye and it made you and the league look bad. So there's something coming. Uh, I don't think that they will use the allegations of child abuse in this particular case to justify that suspension i think that suspension will be more predicated on the audio that took put or the audio that was released the Uh, the whole thing where he said you should be terrified of me correct i think that that is going to be the grounds that they use to suspend him for probably somewhere between four to six games is my gut but we'll see what happens i mean ultimately Again, you are innocent until proven guilty. I know I myself am very guilty of thinking that you know he had committed this just based on his past. Uh, a lot of and us did. We all jumped to conclusions, especially in a situation as sensitive as this one. Uh, and I think that it's the way that it has shaken out is certainly a good reminder to pump the brakes whenever one's ready to uh, you know jump out there with you know saying we should have absolutely kicked him off the team, stuff like that. Let me just say this because. During the Frank Clark press conference, the and that was really just bad timing because of his past and what was happening with Tyreek Hill at the time. The questions did come up during that press conference. Hey, why were you so quick on Kareem Hunt but not with Tyreek Hill? I mean, look at the coverage Kareem Hunt's getting right now in Cleveland. It's great, but for whatever reason, Kansas City. I, I, I've, I've seen the I've seen the narrative out there. Kansas City hires wife beaters. I, I mean, for so for whatever reason. It's Kansas City's fault what Kareem Hunt did, but Cleveland, I mean, they're getting the positive PR from this for giving Hunt a second chance. I I, I don't understand that. I'm flabbergasted by that. Uh, I have said before, maybe it's possible that Kareem Hunt's getting positive coverage because his situation is comparable to what Tyreek Hill maybe 
could have been accused for, maybe. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it, Zach, by any chance, did you see my back and forth with um, Mike Freeman of Bleacher Report on Twitter? The one where he just kind of shut down and stopped responding, that one? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just asked him, I said, what would you do if you were the general manager, or not general manager, the yep, uh, commissioner of the one. NFL? I, and he got so upset about that. I'm like, dude, you are a heavily opinionated journalist. Why are you getting upset? I'm just asking you, what would you do? Because you feel strongly that he did something. So as the commissioner, what would you do? And he basically got angry about that. I've seen him. I've seen pro football talks Mike Florio go on this tangent rant that, oh, if if the NFL allows Tyree Kill to play again, I don't know if I could cover football again. I mean, come on, look. Right, because you're going to totally abandon your livelihood on that front. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, that's a, you've got one of the biggest websites in pro football. Uh, Duff Kleiman, I know he's been very strong on this whole ban Tyree Kill train. And these guys are so upset that they are pretty much proven wrong at this point. And that, look, again, let me be clear. If you think he did something, you're allowed to believe that, I guess. But he has been cleared, and he should be allowed to return to practice as soon as possible. Um, with that said, Zach, uh, it is a business, and the show must go on. Let's not forget, back in February or March, I think that, that was around that time, there were reports that came out that he was very close to landing a record-breaking contract in uh, an extension with the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, unfortunately, that was put on pause because of this whole situation right now involving his three-year-old son. Uh, we are expecting him to return to practice very soon. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs, what what do you what do you do? What do you expect, Zach? Because I asked this question on social media. Uh, it seemed like seventy percent of people agreed that hey, look, don't sign him right now. Let the season play out and sign uh, sign him to an extension after uh, the twenty nineteen season. Obviously, you can use a franchise tag if needed. Uh, a couple of people said sign him during the season to an extension, which you are able to do, I did not see anybody say, give him the extension right now because of what's happened. Uh, I'm curious, what do you think should should take place? What do you think will happen? Okay, so that's two different questions there. What I think should take place and what I think will take place are two different things. I think, plain and simple, the way that the NFL does business and the Chiefs, you know, as an organization in the NFL, they have to compete you know, by playing by the same... You know, both written and unwritten set of rules that the NFL abides by. In this particular case, it means that Tyreek Hill will never, ever, ever make the same amount of money that he would have made if none of these allegations had come out. That's just a fact. Uh, he would have been signed to an extension by now, and probably a pretty lucrative one at that. But th whatever extension he does eventually sign, whether with the Chiefs or anybody else, will n will pale in comparison to what he would have made. And that's a shame, because ultimately... Yeah, these allegations have cost somebody who, at least from what we know right now, can't be proven to have done anything. Uh, and that's, you know, I think that it's not right to have allegations that are, whether based or not, um, until they're proven out, I don't think it's right to, uh, you know, have something like this have that severe of an impact on the earning power. Now, as for what I... You know what I think would be the right move on the Chiefs' part is let the season play out. Who knows? I mean, this again. I'm almost hesitant to declare this investigation completely over, just because 
it has had so many twists and turns up to this point that yeah, like you know you kind of wonder if it's not like the uh, you know end of the roller coaster where you're come you know coming up at that last hill where the bottom's about to drop out from underneath you. I just you know I just have that gut feeling that this isn't totally put to rest yet, and from that perspective, I think that you know the Chiefs would be wise to take advantage of the fact that look he's still under contract for this year uh, and at a pretty. Uh, reasonable rate for the production that he provides i think that that being what it is you know there's no reason to sign him too soon and i don't think that the chiefs will i think that long term we'll see i think reevaluate at the end of the season there um, but i think that he signs a deal much closer to you know the kind of average for the position as opposed to that of the really high wage earners we'll see what happens though so so you you do think he'll sign an extension but you don't think it's going to be that record-breaking type of contract to be clear right and i think that you know when i say that he'll sign an extension that of course comes with the you know caveat of assuming that he keeps his nose clean and that nothing else comes out to implicate him in this or any other incident um you know i think that in that case if he goes out and performs say we're say we get to the end of the season and he puts up you know another thousand yard season maybe not quite the same year that he had last year but still performs at a very high level and has no off the field issues whatsoever. I think that he signs a, you know, pretty reasonable, you know, or very well-paid second receiver type money extension. Let me just say this because a lot of people were angry about how the NFL handled the Ezekiel Elliott situation when he got that 6 game suspension. And again, if you believe the NFL was in the wrong and that you have the right to feel that way. In fact, I would agree with that sentiment. But let's just say one thing, though. If Ezekiel Elliott was not guilty of anything, I guess part of it is, man, the way you surround yourself with certain people, it can come back to haunt you sometimes. And look, I don't want to turn this into some advice show. I see a lot of people who think they're Dr. Laura Schlesinger on Twitter, trying to give Tyreek Hill advice on what he should do with this woman that I, I don't know if they're together or not. I know there was talk about separation. Uh, they did get engaged at one point, and that was a pretty big story given what had happened in the past between them. Uh, but let me just say this. Again, I, I don't want to be this guy that gives the advice, but if, if for the sake of your career and if you want to, as you said, keep your nose clean and not get into any trouble off the field. And if you want that big payday, that big extension that every NFL player is going for nowadays, you do got to make sure that you're staying out of trouble off the field. And a big part of that is making sure you're surrounded by the right people. Now, given that he and his fiance or ex fiance, I don't know what they are right now. They do share a son. They do have twin girls on the way. You know, you're still going to be with this person in some shape or form. Uh, look at Kareem Hunt and how he got in trouble with the group he's been hanging out with. Uh, you damn sure better hope, if you're a Cleveland fan, that he has separated himself from that posse because at this point, if he gets into trouble again with the same group of people, I don't know anyone that's going to give him a shot. That's the GM who drafted him in KC giving him a shot. And if he gets into trouble again, man, that's strike four at this point. Because what? He had three incidents as a member of the Chiefs and then that would be a fourth incident. So hopefully he's made better choices about who he's going to surround himself with because come next year when he's looking for a big contract extension, they're going to say, look, are you getting in trouble off the field? No, you're not. Probably means you've made better choices. 
here's a big payday after a really good season from what you've done with us. And I know he's suspended for half the season, but he can still do a lot for the Browns in the final eight games and maybe beyond. Uh, but that contract extension, man, uh, you better make sure that you've got things in order off the field because that is going to be probably more important in the Chiefs' eyes uh, as, uh, than your on-the-field skills. I know some people may disagree with that sentiment, but I, I think at this point, given what Tyreek Hill's had, what a lot of people know him for, I think the Chiefs have got to make sure, hey, look, you got to stay out of trouble, man, because if you want millions and millions of dollars from us, we can't afford for you to get in trouble. Now, they can put things in the clause, put in language, hey, look, if you do get in trouble, if you do get charged of certain things, and this is in a lot of contracts, then the guaranteed money goes away, some of the guaranteed money goes away, some of the contract is void at this point. So the Chiefs can do that as well. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add to that? No, I think we've put a bow on this one at this point. I just want to add one thing, because uh, I did put the photo of his son. Well, let me just be clear. It was something Tyreek Hill posted on Snapchat, and it was posted all over Twitter. And I mentioned, hey, here's Tyreek Hill with his son right now. Some of you guys said it could be a visitation, could be that he's back with his son, who knows. Uh, a lot of people said, hey, this is private, why are you posting this? You know, it is his personal life, except he posted it on his social media, which he has lots of followers, and the reason he's suspended right now is because of the incident involving his son. So it is a pretty big story that he is with his son in some shape or form. Uh, it looked like he was they were at a playground, so... That part's not too important, but it's just the fact that they were together, I think, was pretty significant, and it made you wonder if we were going to see the end of it, and it looks like we are seeing kind of the waning stages of this investigation involving Tyreek Hill. But, Zach, another wide receiver that's been getting a lot of coverage for the Chiefs this year is Sammy Watkins, and there's a lot of talk about him taking a leadership role with this offense, especially knowing that Tyreek Hill could miss some games in 2019. Let me just read some numbers here. Uh, regarding Sammy Watkins. In the playoffs, he, Travis Kelsey, and Damian Williams led the team in catches with 10 each. Tyreek Hill had nine catches in the postseason. Demarcus Robinson, Spencer Ware, uh, Garrick Dieter, and Demetrius Harris each had one. Sammy Watkins, he had 176 receiving yards. That is 34% of his receiving yards production from the regular season. 34% of that in two postseason games. To be clear, he did play 10 games. However, one of those games against the Rams, he only played a couple of snaps in that football game, and that led to him missing more games uh, the rest of the regular season. But looking back at the regular season before that miss, uh, Tyreek Hill, 1,479 yards. Travis Kelty, 1,336 yards. Both career highs for those two. And let's not forget, Kareem Hunt, I believe he was in the top three in the NFL in total yards from scrimmage, too. So it's pretty impressive how Kansas City was able to spread the ball around the way they did. Watkins was third on the, on the team in receiving yards with 519 yards, 40 catches and 55 targets on the team, tied sixth with Demetrius Harris with three touchdowns. Look, this guy's a remarkable wide receiver, but if you and if you remember... Back in 2014 when he got drafted fourth overall, when there were a lot of great wide receivers from that draft class, the Chiefs did not have a touchdown pass to a wide receiver. And some of us wondered, you know, should the Chiefs have made an effort to go after a guy like Kelvin Benjamin or a Sammy Watkins? Well, oddly enough, Watkins eventually made his way to Kansas City and he's done some good things on the field, but health has been an issue as well. He's coming off a season where he missed six games with the Chiefs. That is the second most he has missed in a single season. He missed one game the year before with the Rams. In 2017, eight games 
in his final year with the Bills in 2016 and then three games in 2015. Did not miss a single game his rookie year, the only year he's played 16 games. That was in 2014. Zach, it's safe to say Sammy Watkins can do some tremendous things, but the guy's got to stay healthy. And if he can't stay healthy, you've got him. You've got Tyreek Hill, who might serve a suspension. By the time he comes back, he can help reduce the load on some of these guys. And you got McCole Hardman, who's getting all these Tyreek Hill comparisons here. This is an offense that can do a lot of damage, even without Tyreek Hill, for a few games if Sammy Watkins stays healthy. Big if right there, though. I agree. It is absolutely a big if, but, I mean, talent-wise, I mean, Sammy Watkins has about as strong of a set of hands as exists in the NFL. Odell Beckham obviously comes to mind with some of the amazing highlight reel catches that he makes, but if you watch some of Sammy Watkins' highlights, like, the man is a heck of a wide receiver so long as he's healthy. And I think that both the fact that we've had this issue with Tyreek Hill and the fact that Sammy Watkins has an, you know, fairly lucrative contract, certainly for the production that he's uh, put forth so far. I think that that's part of the main reason for this media blitz, if you will, uh, showcasing him as the leader of that wide receiver room. And don't get me wrong. I don't mean to discount it. I think he has absolutely stepped up as a leader in that wide receiver room. And we know that Andy Reid's offense certainly takes some time to get used to. So I expect to see some increased production out of Sammy Watkins for sure this year. Uh, and honestly, I'm just excited to see what he'll end up doing. Cause I think that, you know, after hearing everything that you said in terms of the you know number of games that he's missed with each team, it's hard not to feel like he's due for a clean year. Uh, and I agree. if that can happen, the chiefs, you know, obviously are going to have a great time with it. Cause you know, he's an absolute candidate for being a thousand yard receiver. So long as he stays healthy. Okay. So you've got Sammy Watkins. And again, if he stays healthy, Boy, I mean, this guy is capable of a 1,000-yard season if he is the primary receiver. If, if you don't have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, and if Watkins plays 16 games, that guy's going to get 1,000 receiving yards. Uh, I mean, look, but again, it's hard. Got a, I think he got 1,000 receiving yards that first year in the league when he was in Buffalo. And if my memory serves, I'm pretty sure that was Tyrod Taylor throwing him the ball. So, like, the guy can absolutely play in the NFL. He just has to stay healthy is the only question. Well, you have Sammy Watkins. You've got Travis Kelsey. You've got... Damian Williams and Eric Bieniemy did say uh, a couple of weeks ago to the media, hey, look, this is not a running back by committee. This is Damian Williams' job right now. He is a starter on this football team. But look, it's hard to find a down-for-down running back in the NFL. You know that Carlos Hyde, Daryl Williams, uh, Darwin Thompson, I mean, these are guys, if they all make the 53-man roster, they're going to contribute and try to uh, compliment him from time to time. Uh, But my point is, running backs thrive under an Andy Reid offense and then I haven't even mentioned Tyreek Hill right now and whenever he does come back if he does get suspended for a couple of games this is an offense that can do a lot of damage right now and Zach real quickly let me just something I'm curious do you think the Chiefs did draft McCall Hardman in fear that they could eventually part ways with Tyreek Hill I mean it certainly seems that way I think that ultimately the decision came down to this they weren't sure exactly what the fate of Tyreek Hill was going to be at that point. And so they drafted themselves in what is essentially an insurance policy. If Tyreek were to be out for the season or suspended for a really long period of time, but then it's also a weapon that could pair nicely with Tyreek Hill and just add, you know, at that point he becomes a luxury. Um, and so I think that the chiefs looked at the you know cost benefit of that particular decision and it was an easy choice. With that, though, 
even, I mean, if it was out of fear, this is now your offense. And at this point, I guess there are two concerns for me. Number one is on any top-ranked offense where you have an elite quarterback, this this is probably your biggest concern is an injury to Patrick Mahomes. That's the only concern, the major concern that you really would have with this offense. The other one to me would be the offensive line at this point. I, I think they did a good job at times, but I also think Mahomes made them look a little bit good. They didn't allow as many sacks because Mahomes is very mobile and was able to escape pressure on his own at times. Uh, but even when he tried to extend plays and not get sacked, the offensive line didn't give up either, and they tried to continue uh, playing through these plays until the whistle's blown, essentially, and trying to make sure that they can help him stay on his feet whenever Mahomes has tried to extend plays. So again, to me, major concern, injury to the quarterback, and secondary concern, I think we're still kind of learning about this offensive line right now without Mitch Morris and how they're going to move on without him anchoring that offensive line from the middle. Uh, do you, would you would you echo those sentiments, or do you feel like there's something else that needs to be included there? Honestly, I think that, uh, yeah, you're you're on the money in that if Mahomes were to get injured, then obviously that changes the entire complexion of your football team. And I think that that's part of the reason that the offensive line is a concern, because they're the primary thing that would keep such an injury from taking place, in theory anyway. I think that the Chiefs obviously feel good enough about Austin Ryder's ability to step in for Mitch Morse, um, and certainly his ability to be available um, in Mitch Morse's place, which is, I mean, let's be honest, Mitch Morse, while he was absolutely great when he played, I think that he could fall in a almost Watkins-esque category in terms of his inability to always be on the field, if that makes yeah. sense. Uh, and so the Chiefs certainly have experience playing without him. And I think that ultimately the fact that we've got, you know, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif coming back uh, as well as, you know, our two bookends at uh, tackle and Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, I think that, you know, the offensive line should remain consistent. I'd be surprised if they did anything did anything less. Let's switch to the other side of the football. Uh, Eric Berry, his post-June 1st cut is now official with the uh, with the cap situation, uh, gaining more than $9 million in cap space, $9.55 million to be exact. That gives the Chiefs $24.59 million to spend for the remainder of 2019. Uh, we did talk about Tyreek Hill. It seemed like he was going to get a big extension. Chris Jones, we thought he would probably get one by now. And he's, still, he's obviously not going to OTAs. And, and I think it could be in fear that he may suffer an injury at OTAs, and that could make him ineligible to earn a contract extension. So, and it's a it's a common thing that we see with guys that that are expecting uh, to land a big deal like that. Uh, but right now, only Chris Jones seems like he'll uh, end up getting that long term deal. There's been a lot of talk that Redskins cornerback Josh Norman could be a potential post June first cut, and the Chiefs could target him. Uh, and, and Zach, I know you've got some thoughts on this defense right now with. Some of the coverage they've they've been getting in OTAs with uh, Steve Spagnuolo. I know he got a lot of positive coverage in a story where uh, he had uh, asked defensive line coach Brandon Daly from the Patriots coming to Kansas City. Uh, you know what would Belichick do? Just trying to pick his brain, uh, try to pick Belichick's brain through Brandon Daly, which is always a smart thing to do. Unless I forget, Spags is a big reason why the Giants prevented the Patriots from going 19-0 with the dominant defensive line performance against Tom Brady, preventing them from lighting up the scoreboard and at the end of the day, pulling off one of the biggest upsets in Super Bowl history. 
And, you know, you're hoping he can bring that kind of success to Kansas City, uh, given that he is a Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl champion as a defensive coordinator. Uh, I know you want to spend some time to talk about the defense, so I kind of want to let you have the floor for a moment and just kind of give your thoughts on this defense as a whole right now. Ultimately, just based on what we've heard coming out of OTAs, which, again, should come with a grain of salt simply because, again, it's OTAs. A lot of people look really good you know, before the pads come on, so yeah. to speak. But the thing that have, has impressed me the most, and I know that, you know, especially last week on the podcast, I was very skeptical of your claim that the Chiefs might actually have a top 10 defense um, this season. I, while I'm still not willing to go quite that far, it's very evident that there has been a seismic culture shift uh, in that defensive locker room. And I think that it's equal parts the addition of Steve Spagnolo, but it's also, you know, the tremendous team of assistants that he's brought with him. I mean, obviously, Brendan Daly coming over from the Patriots, Matt House coming from the University of Kentucky, where he had turned Kentucky, again, a school known primarily for its basketball team, into one of the top 10 defenses in the country uh, and a contender in the SEC, which sounds weird to say about Kentucky football, but he certainly made it happen. And when the Chiefs were on the hunt for for a defensive coordinator, there were actually rumors that Matt House himself might be qualified to have the job that Steve Spagnuolo now has. So point there being, we've got an incredibly deep defensive staff and we've completely overhauled the locker room there. And, you know, you essentially trade out Steve Spagnuolo for Bob Sutton. Obviously that's a tremendous help. Uh, And then you trade out Tyron Matthew for uh, Eric Berry. And all of a sudden you've got a much more vocal leader there. Not that Eric Berry wasn't, but you've got someone in Tyron Matthew that can fly around and play a whole bunch of different roles within this defense Uh, And it's just another voice to kind of ramp up the intensity. And from all accounts, it looks like Frank Clark has been doing that as well. And so I think that, you know, just kind of the culture and the way that you could just kind of hear it in the voices of the players that are getting interviewed. It's it. I mean, it's weird to say, but we all know the way that when players are getting interviewed, you can tell when they're kind of just towing the party line and, you know, just kind of saying what they were told to say or, you know, pulling a Marshawn Lynch and saying they're there just so they don't get fined. These guys seem genuinely excited to go play for Steve Spagnuolo, and I think that that bodes incredibly well for the performance of this Chiefs defense. Never mind the fact that you know, you'll have a revamped secondary with the addition of Matthew uh, there in the safety uh, at the safety position, as well as Bashad Breeland coming in as a corner. But those two will have a much easier job based on the fact that you've got Frank Clark and Chris Jones that'll be wreaking havoc from you know one side of the line or the other. And I think that yeah, you know, to pretend that you won't have to have, you know, you really have to double team both of those guys, which means you probably have to put a tight end uh, in on uh, Frank Clark or possibly chip him with a running back and hope that that works. But the way that that pass rush will hamstring things that offenses want to do, I think that it certainly will uh, be a tremendous benefit to the Chiefs defense moving forward. I do want to go back to Sammy Watkins for a moment. Uh, He tweeted Chris Jones recently trying to convince him to show up to OTA, telling him that, uh, quote, the defense is looking crazy and we got to get everyone together. Look, I get it's voluntary, but, you know, having even the veterans there, it really will help the younger guys too because you want to make sure that you have a good starting 11 on offense and defense and you got a good uh, secondary 11 there because at this point in the NFL, depth is a big deal, man. It really is. And the Chiefs look like they're going to have some ridiculous good depth at that defensive line. What really seemed like was 
a weakness last year outside of Chris Jones. Could be one of the better defensive lines in football. Maybe that's a stretch. But with Frank Clark and Chris Jones next to each other, as you alluded to, man, I mean, that is going to be really tough for opposing offensive coordinators to just prepare for at this point. Quarterbacks are going to hate going up against this defensive line. Uh, you've got Okafor, Agba, uh, Breland Speaks, Passigno that could be competing for the other side of the defensive line spot. And I think uh, whoever ends up being the best from that bunch, I think they're going to be able to provide some good things. And when you rotate some guys in and out in games, I think they'll help make sure that this defensive line is still performing at a high level, which is going to be a lot of fun to see. And I feel like, you know, Spagnolo coming in, I mean, from Bob, as you mentioned, from Bob Sutton to Steve Spagnolo, that is going to make a big difference for this defense. You were 31st in the NFL and somehow co-led the league in sacks. Uh, I know there's this big deal about how the Chiefs played more defensive snaps and that's why they let co-led the NFL in snaps. But look, I, I mean, at some point, if you get 52 sacks in a season, that's damn impressive, man. I don't care how many sacks you go through. Even the worst defenses, uh, maybe once in a while you see a defense playing an outrageous amount of snaps, but uh, it's not like it was that bad for the Chiefs in terms of snap count. And yeah, sure, they, I mean, they were one of the worst in the league, don't get me wrong, but 52 sacks is 52 sacks. You deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, that's why D Ford got a big contract with the 49ers. That's why Chris Jones is anticipating a big deal here in Kansas City. So, I think this Chiefs defense is uh, going to be a lot better. And, you know, the offense, can it be number three in NFL history and scoring again? It's very hard to do. But even if they're just playing at a high level and if this defense can be mediocre, man, you think that could be enough to dethrone the Patriots and move on to the Super Bowl and even become Super Bowl champions then? I know that's getting a little bit too ahead there, but. That seems like it is the uh, it is a possibility if things do go in that direction for the offense and the defense. Absolutely, and I think that you know we it's easy to forget just how close we got just because you know like it or not you know close doesn't finish the job, but you know just a you know moderate improvement I think in that defense uh, and we've seen specifically you know Steve Spagnolo's you know interior defensive line pressure generating defenses have done well against Tom Brady historically, and hopefully we'll see uh, something similar come playoff time here in Kansas City. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. You can also follow us on Twitter at Farzine21 and Z Stegenga. You can also leave us a voicemail or text us 913-808-2119. Obviously, we talked about a lot of subjects here, so let us know your thoughts on anything we have discussed. Uh, real quickly, I did mention the uh, the phone number there. We did get a text uh, from Dave in North Carolina, uh, from the 714, he says, with all the stuff heading to Kansas City, and he's referring to the fact that we discussed the draft coming to Kansas City last week, it's time to build a new airport. I fly around a lot, and I avoid that airport like it is the plague. Now, I think it's very fitting that we're reading this text this, this week, because in K- in KCI right now, uh, construction has already begun. They've tore down some things. And they're working on trying to revamp the airport a little bit. Um, let me just say that a funny story, by the way. Uh, I was flying from North Carolina to KC on the Monday Night Football when Jamal Charles returned as a member of the Broncos. I tried to watch that game on the Watch ESPN app, but we all know airplane Wi-Fi just flat out sucks. So I gave up on that eventually. And I was reading the box, uh, the play-by-play to basically try to follow up. And at one point... I saw Tyree kill through an interception, and I had no idea what the hell was happening at that point with the Chiefs' offense. Um, 
uh, at one point the plane was flying adjacently, not directly above, but adjacently above the stadium. And I was looking at the stadium, I'm like, I don't even know what's happening right now. Because that's when they turn off the Wi-Fi when you're getting close and close. Uh, but it was kind of weird just being over the stadium, wanting to know what's happening. And you you didn't really know what was happening at that moment. But uh, nonetheless, not to uh, digress. Uh, Zach, have you ever been to North Carolina's airport? I have not. Okay, have you ever been to KCI Airport? Have you ever landed back at KCI any time after 6 or 7 o'clock? Many times, yes. And it's just pretty, I mean, it's just dark. But at that point, you know, whenever I'm coming back to Kansas City, I don't actually give it a lick of thought as to what it looks like when we're landing. I'm merely just like, awesome, I finally get to get off this plane and go home. Let me say this, because, look, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is like a ghost town. It's like like a scene from The Walking Dead, but... Uh, a lot of people are saying also, you know, what's the big riff? It, you know, the point of going to an airport is to, you know, leave your destination and arrive at your next destination. Or for people flying in, it is their final destination. Well, obviously, Kansas City being the heart of America. I mean, let's say you're in New York City and you want to get to L.A. Well, uh, uh, an obvious uh, stopping point uh, where you may have a connecting flight would be in Kansas City and you know, I don't know exactly how it works if you have to change terminals to go with a different airline. I don't know how people have handled that in the past. Obviously, you and I living in Kansas City, that's not really anything we've had to deal with. But maybe somebody has at some point uh, flying through Kansas City. But look, I mean, if you're if you're at an airport, if you got time to kill, I, the North Carolina airport, the the caller texting in from North Carolina. Um, you know, I, I've actually been there before. In the evenings, and you know they've got some things going on. You, you, there are some nice places to eat. Maybe if you want to sit somewhere to to watch a sporting event, uh, there are some nice places for that. Uh, you know, when you're traveling, and again, Kansas City being in the heart of America, it could be a reasonable place for people to have a connecting flight and maybe have extra time to kill. You know, you want to have something uh, to allow travelers to to do while they're waiting for their next flight and all. Uh, I, and I think because the draft has come to Kansas City, they want to give people uh, a nice welcome to Kansas City, I guess, and if they're going to leave Kansas City, they want them to be able to uh, have the opportunity to, I guess, venture out and and maybe do some things while they're waiting for their flights if they're early. Uh, I know it sounds like a small thing, but that's a big reason why they're rebuilding the airport and trying to make it uh, newer and more modern uh, compared to some of the other airports out there, but uh, that is, uh, of course, one of the texts we got from uh, from Dave uh, saying that it is time to basically revamp the airport, and that's what they're doing right now. I say good news, Dave. We're on it. <laughs> yeah, so I think they've uh, been on it for quite a while, but yeah, you know, just the same. It's finally I, I, happening. I don't, I don't want to get too much into this, but I know Sam Brownback when he was at Kansas, he wanted to build a, an international airport in Johnson County, which I don't know logically why that would make sense, but he wanted to do that to compete with KCI Airport. I mean, I don't know why you're competing with an airport. Um, I get you want Kansas to have its own thing, but come on, let me, let's be real. Who's going, who is going to want to land in Overland Park, Kansas? I mean, maybe the few thousand people who live in OP, it's convenient. But other, other than that, I mean, it's just, I, I, I don't see the logic in that, but, um, yeah, it's a good thing for Kansas city, especially if you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be traveling through Kansas city and having a connecting flight, it, it's going to generate more for KCI, and it's going to be a good thing. So hopefully they can uh, put together a good game plan and making it look good when the final project is in the books. All right, before we go to our closing segment, Zach, uh, did you watch the Spelling Bee recently, or did you follow it at all? I mean, I 
did I, I did not follow it if that's what you're getting at, but I was aware of the fact that you know simply because the people in charge of it were lazy, they ended up with an eight way tie, which I you know I honestly just feel bad for the kids at that point because that can't have been a satisfactory ending at all. There, I guess, were not enough words in the dictionary to look for. Uh, so they awarded an eight-way tie. Zach, are you a good speller at all? I mean, yeah, I actually am pretty good at that, yes. Okay, well, I'm not. Uh, I am a terrible speller. I remember in elementary school, they would do the class spelling bee, and then the top student from each class would compete against everyone else uh, in the entire school. And then I don't know how it goes after that, maybe in district and state, and then you get to the national stage. Uh, we are going to do a Chief Zone Spelling Bee, which is going to go very terrible. Now, Zach, you have three really difficult words for me to spell, correct? Yeah, though to be fair, I did keep them Chiefs related, so maybe that'll make it easier for you. We'll find Ch- out. Oh, okay. So so are these are these names? I mean, what, what, I, what am I expecting them. here? Yeah, some names, but then, you know, some not. Okay, so let's go ahead, hit the music. Give me my first word or first name, I guess. All right, your first word, as in, you know, keep on matriculating the ball down the field, boys, is matriculate. Oh, God, okay. Matriculate. Let me write this real quickly. I mean, it's one of those words where That's it just That's cheating. Like... That's not how this works. You don't get to write it down. These kids didn't get to write it down. <laughs> but you know what these kids do, right? With an invisible pencil, they write them down. So we're going to do that on this podcast. Fair matriculate, enough. Matriculate, M-A-T... R-I-C-U-L-A-T-E. Nailed it. Good job. Okay, wow. I am I am very impressed with myself. What's my second word? Alright, your next one is Passigno. Oh god. <laughs> I was actually expecting Maslowski. Um Okay, I know it starts with a K. Uh, and by the way, just to be clear, Zach and I we do this uh, we do our recording on on uh, video Skype uh, or Google Plus I should say, not Skype. Uh, so he knows I'm not looking this up or Googling, but I know it's K-P-A-S-S. And then give me a sec on this one. Is it G-N-O-N? K-P-A-S-S-A-G-N-O-N. Okay. Well, so I wrote pretty about Pretty close, the Chiefs. but not quite. I wrote about the Chiefs uh, front seven recently in an article, and I got used to writing Passigno. So uh, that's why I was close. But had I not done that, I was not even going to come close to that. All right. Well, here's your last one, and it's tougher than you think. Be enemy. Oh God, uh, I know I'm getting this. I, I mean, I've, I, I've even wrote his name recently, and I've gotten it wrong a few times. Uh, okay, I think I do have this. Is it B I N I E M Y? Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not my final answer. Wait a minute. B N. Oh, yeah, that is my answer. Go ahead. So it's B I E N I E M Y. That's what I said. I thought it was B-I-E-N-E-M-Y. But no, he just tucks a random I in there. And no, you skipped the first E. So did you did I? not get it right. Yeah, you can well, run the I, tape I, back. I wrote it right here. I, I don't know if you can see that, but I mean, it's it's terrible podcast. Yeah, you can no run one, the tape back. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, no one no one listening cares for what I wrote, but... I mean, we'll, we'll, to be we'll, honest, if if I'm you know give, if I'm not giving you the credit you're deserving on this case, I guarantee you someone will text it in next week. So, oh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. All right, uh, like I said, we had a lot to cover on this episode of the podcast. Nine one three eight zero eight two one one nine. You can also interact with us on social media. We're going to wrap this podcast up. Let's go around the NFL.
The Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz agree to a four-year extension through 2024 worth $128 million, uh, up to $144 million uh, with $107 million in guarantees, which is reportedly bigger than Russell Wilson's contract when it comes to guaranteed money. Uh, look, I get it. He's not the guy who won you the Super Bowl MVP, but at this point, it is hard to find a franchise quarterback. And Carson Wentz has done some good things, but only in the regular season. It's, I mean, we saw it with Stafford. We've seen it with Derek Carr. Guys who have no postseason resumes, but they're getting these big contracts anyway. I mean, you know, I mean, this is this is Carson Wentz's deal. Uh, Russell Wilson recently got a big deal, and you know, Mahomes is due for a big deal next year, especially if he has another season similar to what he had in 2018. These contracts are just are just going to get crazier and crazier as time goes on. I mean, that's just how it works, plain and simple. I mean, the salary cap continues to grow for a reason, uh, and that's because contracts just continue to go up. And we know Mahomes is going to break the bank, and in this particular case, he absolutely deserves it. So, I mean, good for Carson Wentz. Go get your money. Uh, I think, you know, I understand where the Eagles are coming from simply because, look, they don't have Nick Foles anymore. It's not like they have a really strong backup the way that they used to. And it's not necessarily a question of is Carson Wentz deserving of being the wealthiest quarterback in the NFL. It's simply, all right, is he the quarterback that, you know, has to be re-signed right now? And if you're the Eagles, do you really want to take your chances at trying to develop somebody else to take his job? And that's why he's, you know, making the currently largest guaranteed contract until the next one. The Chargers are trying to hype themselves up, hype up their fan base for the 2019 season. Running back Melvin Gordon says the Chargers are the top team in the AFC West and not the Chiefs. Chiefs fans obviously are not going to like that. But look, what is Melvin Gordon supposed to say? That, yeah, the the Chiefs are better than us, the Raiders are better than us? No, of course he's going to say that the Chargers are the best team in the AFC West and that they're capable of winning the Super Bowl. Of course he's going to say that. You know, got to motivate your teammates a little bit. Got to build some hype from the fans. And look, let's be honest, I know Chiefs fans don't like some of the credit that the Chargers have been getting from the media, but keep in mind, the Chiefs and the Chargers both finished with 12-4 and records, the best in the entire conference. It's hard to do that with two teams from the same division, and again, I get we don't want to give division rivals credit, but this is a team that came back against Kansas City fair and square in that uh, in that Thursday night game uh, late in the season and almost gave Kansas City a run for their money for not only the division, but also the number one seed. Absolutely. The one thing that I'll say is that you know I absolutely understand why he has to try to hype up the uh, Chargers fans because let's be honest, they're struggling to fill a soccer stadium right now. So any hype they can get is certainly going to be appreciated. Last thing I want to touch on here: the NFLPA is telling players to prepare for a possible lockout in the near future. A lot of things involving uh, you know TV deals with Sunday Ticket, Monday Night Football, other broadcast packages. The NFL, according to Pro Football Talk, wants a new CBA by September the 1st. That is very interesting. Uh, Not sure if that will be done anytime uh, this summer or before September the 1st. But the NFL and the NFLPA, I mean, there have been a lot of differences here. A lot of players have had a lot of complaints about some of the rules the NFL has. The biggest one right now, the NFL wants to expand to an 18-game schedule. And Roger Goodell wants to cut the preseason. Look. I don't think you need four preseason games to decide who 
your 22 backups will be and who the few extra players will be and who your practice squad is going to be. I think you can determine that, Zach, in three games. Let's be honest. I think you can make adjustments and figure that out in three preseason games. But 18 games, I don't know, man. I think players are going to demand more money for their contracts with an 18-game schedule. And at that point, I don't know what format you would really use. I like the 16-game format. I think 16 games is good enough in the NFL. Uh, I can see a big disagreement from players in the NFL on this one. I think that ultimately the only way you get to an 18-game season is if you turn two preseason games into regular season games, and at that point you're probably looking at instituting another bye week. But ultimately, I mean, this is the least of the issues that are about to be fought out between the NFLPA and the NFL owners because... Ultimately, I think that you know, we can all prepare as fans. You know, come twenty twenty one, there's a good chance that that's you know these negotiations go right up to the start of that season, um, and you know ultimately it comes down to this: the owners are going to you know gamble that the players are going to be you know not you know they'll be able to wait out the players who obviously need the game checks because the billionaires who own these leagues, like yes, they. You know, obviously make plenty of money for uh, putting the games on and whatnot, but it's, for most of them, not their only source of income. And I think the rest of them could rally to carry Jerry Jones for a little while. Um, and so ultimately, it's going to be a you know, knockdown dragout fight. I think it's cute that they think that they're going to get a new CBA in by September 1st. I mean, I'll happily eat those <laughs> words, but they're not a chance unless the NFL is willing to give on a lot of its... Uh, positions and the players are willing or the players are able to get you know a much better deal than they got last time I think that you know there's not a chance that it's done anywhere close to September 1st I mean I don't think it's done September 1st of 2020 so we'll just see what happens I guess but the the whole the whole 18 game schedule thing I agree with you you've got to implement probably another bye week there but then you've got to consider the NFL wants to have its Super Bowl uh, the first Sunday of February. And at that point, I think you've got to figure out how are you going to, when are you going to end your season? When are you going to start it? And that is something they'll have to figure out in the meantime. Let's go out of bounds. The Raptors, uh, they're, they've been, they've been making this, uh, NBA Finals more interesting than we thought. Look, I know that the Warriors are dealing with injuries, but look, look, man, you never apologize when things are going your way. Whether there's bad luck on the other team or if they're dealing with injuries or if they made a silly mistake for a potential game winning shot, you never apologize when you, uh, have the lead the way you did. After game three, the Raptors, uh, had a 2-1 lead. Uh, kind of made me chuckle because there were a lot of people who said Warriors in five after game two. Uh, what are your thoughts on the final so far up to this point? I think, frankly, I mean, yes, obviously the Raptors are benefiting from the fact that Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson are both hurt. I think that Kevin Durant is done and won't play another game this season in a Warriors uniform. Uh, and if if Clay Thompson is able to play out the rest of the series, I think it can go the distance, you know, go to full seven games. But if he misses a couple more, I mean, this could be a shorter ending to this series than anyone expected. Andy Ruiz Jr., I had not heard of this guy, but everyone knows who he is now. He was a 25-1 to underdog, and he pulled off a shocking TKO win 
in the world of boxing over formerly undefeated heavyweight uh, Anthony Joshua, two and three heavyweight titles. Joshua was 22 and 0 before the loss. He's from England, by the way, and all of his fights, funny enough, were in England. This was his first ever fight in the U.S., so take that for what it's worth to you. But Anthony Ruiz Jr., first Mexican-born heavyweight boxing champion, and man, he did the DX crotch chop, and rightfully so, man, because all the fat shaming and everything that he had coming his way, coming up, leading up to this fight, I think this guy deserved to, you know, give the uh, obese crowd out there a little bit something to to celebrate me a lot of times people always make a big deal about oh this guy's chubby this guy's in phenomenal shape the phenomenal shape fighter is going to win but it's not always like that in combat sports and it surprises people so much people seem to forget man it's not necessarily about your physique it's about knowing how to fight in combat sports and anthony ruse jr knew better than anthony joshua on that one night yeah i think the only the only clear advantage that physique will give you is if you have a much longer reach a la Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey. In that case, that's a pretty tough advantage to overcome. Yeah, and that was an insane fight too. Uh, Holly Holm with one of the biggest upsets ever in MMA history because uh, Ronda was finishing all of her opponents in, what, 15, 20 seconds. And then she, shockingly enough, she lost her title in her next fight after defeating Ronda. Uh, so we'll see if Anthony, Andy Ruiz Jr. can avoid that kind of a path where he can prove this was no fluke. A rematch is on the way, and a lot of people are going to be tuning in for that. But people are definitely not tuning in to the Kansas City Royals. On June 2nd, they suffered a 5-1 to loss to the Texas Rangers on the road. I was shocked by this. So Danny Matthews, the voice of the Royals, he said, uh, and I, I believe this was on the radio, uh, Flanagan uh, tweeted this quote, if this isn't the worst game the Royals have played this year, it's in the top five. That is a Royals employee who made that comment. I was kind of shocked to hear that. By the way, June 2nd, he said that. June 5th, Chris Sale walked on water against the Royals. A complete game had a perfect eighth inning with nine strikes. Allowed only three hits. One of them was on a mishap play, not an error. Uh, they didn't charge that defender on an error, but the Royals men should get three hits. But that's all they could muster against Chris Sale. I mean, this Royals team is bad. I believe they have the worst record in baseball right now going into this weekend. We do for uh, now, yes. I mean, this is this is really I – mean, I, Zach, you follow baseball probably more than I do. Have you ever seen a team go to the World Series back-to-back years and then lose 100 games so quickly like the Royals have? Because it really is crazy to see how this team has turned – uh, into this downward spiral team. The Marlins did it both times when they won in 1997 and then again in 2003. Uh, and it's a similar situation in that you know they weren't willing to pay up to retain the core of each of those World Series winning teams. And so those players left. And surprise, surprise, the organization went down again. And that's exactly what you're seeing take place with the Royals. Though, what I'll say for, you know, while I obviously was surprised to hear Denny say that certainly since he's on Royals payroll I think he has you know what Len Dawson had when he was on the Chiefs radio and which is to say he's got golden boy status man like he could say whatever he wants and no one's gonna really fault him for it and honestly I kind of love the way that Denny you know in just his very measured sarcastic way just absolutely eviscerates (laughs) either opponents or in this case occasionally the Royals too I love the honesty. I really do. And teams are very sensitive when a team employee, even if it's someone on the bottom of the chain working in ticket sales, if they say something negative on their social media, uh, I mean, they're very sensitive about that kind of thing. You can can uh, those guys, but you can't can icons like Denny, Denny Matthews or Len Dawson. No. Um, 
I mean, it's just I was I was shocked that that he had said that. I agree with you. He is the golden boy, but man, uh, I think it's more shocking with the way this team has really declined. Uh, people thought that this was going to be a competitive team for years to come. Unfortunately, not the case. That said, they the are Kansas like City the Royals. best bad team that I've seen in a while. Like nope, they've got so many flashes of like really really impressive talent, but just not enough to string it together and you know stay out of the cellar, so to speak. Got some speed on the bases. Absolutely that, and some pop with the bats, too. It's just, you know, the pitching, and especially the bullpen, is just abysmal. Yeah, that is atrocious. Uh, there are no HDH, and uh, unfortunately, even HDH might have a hard time, because uh, they kind of struggled as uh, the years went on after the World Series. But nonetheless, the Royals uh, really struggling, and they've got a lot to figure out. Let's keep this train rolling. Let's throw our penalty flags. All right, this is just silly. Why are you even doing this? Uh, Golden State Warriors investor slash part owner Mark Stevens banned by the NBA for one season and fined $500,000 for pushing Raptors guard Kyle Lowry in game three. Allegedly cursed at him when he just because he was trying to chase a ball going out of bounds. Why are you doing that? What is the reason for that? You know, Listen, man, it's 2019. Cameras are everywhere. Why are you doing such a dumb thing you know it's going to get caught and something's gonna happen from that uh you don't like the guys running up to you first of all he's not even within maybe a couple of feet from him at least away from him i should say so there was no reason for you to reach your arm out and push the guy and curse at him that is silly that is nonsense if you don't like that a player is chasing a ball and could maybe put some people in harm's way i guess i don't know uh don't sit front row i guess uh, this is just a silly thing. No reason at all for Mark Stevens to do this. No reason for anybody to do that, but especially when you're a part owner. Like, use your brain, man. That's all I have to say. I mean, you would think that an employee, an owner, a part owner, would know better, but... Guess not. People are going to look at that and say, you know, hey, here's a part owner. He did this. I'll do it. Uh, it's just unfortunate. Uh, sometimes these things do have a domino effect, and it's just never a good thing. Uh, also, not a good thing. Michael Kamiao? Is that how you say his name, Zach? I Kamiao? think it's Camo. Camo. Okay, well, he is a Louisiana Catholic school principal, and he was arrested after he allegedly refused to pay his bill at a strip club. Story doesn't end there. It was during a school field trip uh, at the nation's capital. Uh, reports say that he will face charges of public intoxication and possession of an open container of alcohol. He was arrested uh, early on a Thursday morning, and ever since the story came out, he resigned last weekend. He also resigned from his other position as a reserve Brusley police officer. So, uh, Mr. Kamau, uh, good God, uh, no pun intended, uh, not, a, not a good look for him, not a good look. I mean, just so many things there, you yeah. The fact that you've refused to pay your bill, which, I mean, come on, man. Like, it doesn't matter what sort of venue you find yourself in. If you've purchased something, you pay the bill. That's just how it works. But then, you know, the also, also the fact that you're the school principal. Oh, at a Catholic school, mind you. And you're on a school field trip to the nation's capital. You know, what are you thinking at that point? Like, yeah, let's go to a strip club. That's exactly what I'd be thinking, too. Except for the I, fact I mean, that, like, absolutely not. Like, use your brain, man. Come on. I don't know if the students drove him crazy. Kids do that in school sometimes. But 
Uh, yeah, never, uh, never a reason to do that. This is also another interesting story. So Barstool Sports and the Boston Bruins took a lot of heat because of a towel that said pucks on net. That's not the reason why they're getting heat. It's the sponsorship. The Bruins have done this for every game in the playoffs, I believe, in which, you know, they'll have a terrible towel to give out to fans uh, that attend these games. And on the bottom of it, there's a sponsorship. So one day it could be Dick's Sporting Goods, if they have one in the Boston area. I don't know. The, The next day it could be, you know, the ESPN Plus app. Well, for Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals, it was Barstool Sports. Now, look, people are saying Barstool Sports is a sexist sports website. Spoiler alert, they are owned by a female, so they are actually not. And they have some female employees on their staff as well. Uh, But here is where I take issue. It is the fact that this is the... This is, this is a guy, Dave Portnoy, who goes to Barstool Sports, or excuse me, he goes to Fox News, rather, with Tucker Carlson, and they decide to kind of twist the complaints and say that people are calling the towel sexist. Nobody is saying that the towel is sexist. People are calling Barstool Sports a sexist company, which they're not. But again, to go on Fox News with Tucker and, and to, to make these comments here, now you're just playing victim for the towel, and it, honestly, it's a weak attempt, and there you have it, fake news just being spread out there one way or another. Yeah, I think that there's just, you know, so much on both sides of that to, you know, I, I just don't understand the, the the mentality of diving in and saying, like, yep, we're going to pretend this is a sexist towel. It's like, no, pretty much, pretty sure towels aren't really capable of such a thing, save for potentially Tally from South Park, but he doesn't do that either. So just kind of ridiculous if you ask me. All right, that'll wrap up the penalty flag segment. We are now going to do our hot take segment. Uh, We did this last week, our hot take of the week. And you might be wondering, what is a hot take? A hot take is not something you're necessarily upset about. You could be. uh, But it's something, more importantly, the definition of a hot take. You have a highly unpopular opinion. You say one thing, and nearly everyone disagrees. So again, to say that you hate traffic, that's not a hot take. You hate Paying bills, that's not a hot take. Uh, a hot take would be Michael Jordan is not a top five NBA player. Uh, uh, Tom Brady is overrated, and he's not a top five quarterback. Those would be hot takes. Last week, Zach said Anthony Hitchens, or excuse me, Reggie Raglan, rather, would not be on the 53-man roster. Crazy enough, Zach, a lot of people actually agreed with you on this. A lot of people actually think Reggie Raglan could be a surprise cut. And then also, uh, my hot take was that Larry Johnson was the best running back in Chiefs history, and by the way, we got, we got a tweet in response from that uh, Dave saying that LJ did have a good offensive line, and yes, he did, except he still had better numbers than Priest did. And by the way, Willie Rofe actually retired by the time LJ started to get, to get more playing time, and he had those back-to-back 1,700-yard seasons, so I still think there's still a case to say that Larry Johnson is the best running back Man, I don't think the time. debate is between Larry Johnson and Priest Holmes. I think that you know the fact that you have Jamal Charles who put up ridiculous numbers, especially you know the yards per carry average that you know was up to that point unseen since Jim Brown played, and he did it behind a trash offensive line when he was really the only offensive weapon. I think were it not for the injuries that he you know had unfortunately happen, I think that he would absolutely be in that sort of a conversation. Yeah, uh, just to, I didn't get a chance to finish. I said Larry Johnson's the best running back of all time. I meant to say in franchise history. Just to be clear on that, uh, Zach, uh, by the way, our hot takes last week, they were all Chiefs-themed. Uh, we read some last week. Some were hot takes, some were not. 
but this week, uh, we're going to expand a little bit. They don't have to be Chiefs related. They could be, but it, they can be about movies, TV, uh, other sports, uh, whatever comes to mind. Uh, I've got a current events hot take. Zach, uh, what is the theme of your hot take for this week? Uh, it's AFC West related. AFC West related. Okay. Uh, I'll go first on this hot take uh, segment. So here's my hot take. If you are one of those people criticizing others for being easily offended, stop because you're just as guilty. Hot take. Going back to the whole Dave Portnoy thing, you know, a lot of people are saying that people were easily offended there. We have people who get offended for, in in so many demographics, gender-based. Both sides have been offended. Uh, When it comes to, uh, you know, race, religion, we've seen people... All over the area, you get offended for for silly things. Politics, we've seen people get offended for those kinds of things. Sexual orientation, we've seen people. And this is actually why uh, I'm talking about this, because in honor of Pride Month, a lot of companies on social media have changed their profile pictures to something more, uh, to, to like a rainbow effect for their logo. They put that up, and that has offended a ton of people. Why are people so offended over... A picture like that. Why are people offended that uh, there is a straight parade uh, taking place in Boston? Who cares? If you don't like it, don't go. Uh, Why are people offended that on a cartoon show that a character who is representing a rat, uh, you know, had a had a marriage with another man? Uh, I mean, people are offended by the smallest things. Divert that for a minute and just point out the fact that in the state of Alabama, they refused to run that because it was, you know, depicting two men getting married. So instead, they had him marry his sister. That is the most Alabama thing I have ever <laughs> heard. Uh, I did see that on social media. That is pretty funny. Uh, but look, I mean, people are getting offended for the smallest things out there. Uh, again, you know, barstool sports and the towel, or or calling the the company a sexist company. I mean. There are a lot of things out there that people are getting offended over the smallest things. Now, look, I get it. I cannot control how everyone thinks. Some people are a little more sensitive than others for certain subjects. I might find something funny. Zach might think it's actually a horrible thing to joke about and maybe vice versa on certain topics. We cannot. We don't all think the same. We are not all the same people. Uh, we've got to consider that kind of thing. But at the very least, don't go criticizing other people for being easily offended because everyone, including Zach and I, we have maybe t- taken issue on some really small, silly things. So everybody is guilty of being offended over the, sm- the smallest thing out there. Zach, you've got a hot take. You said yours is AFC West related. Take it away, sir. What is your hot take? Yeah, my hot take is that, you know, assuming that the Denver quarterbacks are able to stay upright, I think you'll see Noah Fant as the leading uh pass catcher is a tight end uh, in terms of yardage uh, this year in the NFL. The kid is unbelievably talented from a physical perspective. I mean, he's essentially just like a giant wide receiver going down the middle of the field. And I think that the fact that you've got Emmanuel Sanders coming back on one side, uh, Cortland Sutton on the other, I think that the kid is going to have himself a heck of a year, assuming that Denver quarterbacks aren't on their back and picking turf out of their face masks the entire year. That is a hot take, my friend. That is definitely a hot take. Uh, to say that a tight end will not name Travis Kelsey at the very least. Uh, I'm curious. I mean, do you think Travis Kelsey will be second in the league in receiving yards among yeah, the tight ends? Yeah, I do. I think that here's okay. the difference. You've got more weapons to spread it around with with the Chiefs, so that'll take Kelsey back just a little bit. Uh, and I think that you know people aren't going to know quite how to cover Fant right out of the gate. 
Uh, the all kid right, is wicked prom- fast. I asked you guys to give your submissions on social media. We have a couple of tweets. We have a couple of Facebook posts and a text as well. We'll get to them. At Zach Takes, uh, he says Jar Jar Binks is not as bad as people think he is. Hot take. You're, you're, you're a Star Wars fan. You would agree with that hot take? I mean, to be honest, so when I was growing up, I didn't understand all the hate he got growing up then. You realize, like, oh, yeah, all right, that was pretty stereotypical and didn't really add a lot to the uh, you know, trilogy there. But I don't think he's this massive problem that people would have you believe either. And so, I mean, yeah, I'm here for that take, Zach. And I also like your Twitter handle. At Blazers underscore four underscore life, Robert Pattinson will be a better Batman than Christian Bale. That is most definitely a hot take. Probably the hottest hot take we've had so far since we've started this segment. By the same token, not to take away from Christian Bale's efforts there, but I think that we can't discount the fact that all of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies were certainly helped along by the fact that the villains that Christian Bale's Batman were going up against was, I mean, those were as good of villains as we've had in a lot of superhero movies. You had, you know, Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul, the first for Batman Begins, and then obviously Heath Ledger's amazing performance as the Joker in The Dark Knight, and then Tom Hardy crushed it as Bane. Uh, I think that, you know, do I think that Pattinson's going to be better than Bale? Probably not, but, I mean, I guess I'll give him a chance, to be honest. I'm not terribly familiar with his body of work. I mean, I know he was the kid who was in Twilight, but, I mean, hey, people can grow up and change. Who knows? Maybe he'll have a, uh, maybe he'll do well as a Batman. We'll find out. At Supercharge28, David Carr, comma, makes Stack Prescott look like a punk on TV. Not a hot take. Let's move on to Facebook. Uh, got some interesting comments here. Uh, Martha said, pumped for training camp this year. Always a fun time, but excited to see the new defensive players. Uh, appreciate the comment, Martha. I, I mean, may, maybe I'm misreading this. Maybe Martha thinks that being excited for training camp is a hot take. I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, uh, being excited for it in June is, I mean, it's pr- a premature take, I would think. But, I mean, hey, we're still learning. Uh, Jacob asked, who do you think will be the worst team? The Giants, the Dolphins, or another team? Not a hot take, nor an exciting subject either. But the Giants, um, for what it's worth. I, I, I'll, I'll say Giants as well, just for the sake of the conversation. Uh, Enrique uh, says, my hot take is our rookie running back, Darwin Thompson, we got in the draft, will be given a chance to start, and will win the rushing title. That is hot definitely take. a hot take. Uh, that might be hotter back. than your take. I think yeah. that you know it would be a hot enough take to suggest that he's going to be able to you know win the starting job here in Kansas City, but to win the rushing title, like man, I mean, I'm it'd be awesome. I'm not gonna put any money down on it, but it'd sure be cool to see. But certainly, the that, definition of a smoldering take at this point. That is an insane opinion, and that is what makes it a great hot take. So a great hot take by Enrique. Fritz Rowe, Patrick Mahomes is held to under 4,000 passing yards and 35 touchdowns. Kansas City goes 9-7 and seven and misses the playoffs. Hot Somebody take. responded to him. Bradley says, I bet he breaks the record for passing touchdowns with 5,000-plus yards and 58 touchdowns. Hot Watch, take. Uh, and to not mention our defense, uh... Our new defense, well, I'm not going to read the rest of that because that, that's irrelevant, but that's kind of a hot take too. 58 touchdowns versus 35 touchdowns. I I'll think, say, I think that's, the real, that's the real question is which of those do you think is more likely, Farzine? Do you think it's more likely that he continues to set records or has a regression to the league-wide mean? I would have to say uh, he, he sets the records. I don't think he goes that low with um, 
with uh, with the touchdowns here. Uh, so I, I think the uh, I mean they're both gr- good hot takes. Uh, we also got one from the text line from the nine one three. No one gave an, uh, a name here. Patrick Mahomes is held under thirty five touchdowns. And oh well, we do. We just read this one. Uh, I wonder where. Wait, same uh, take, but two different uh, two, two different, different platforms. There? Yeah, uh, under 4,000 yards, Casey goes 97, missed the playoffs. Funny story, I used to work at 610, I mentioned many times, and when I was producing a, a night show, somebody uh, was on hold on the phone. We didn't know that this was the case. They were on hold on the phone for a long time. They also texted the show, and the host read the text on air, and as soon as he read the text, he went straight to the caller who was on the line waiting and said, hey, you're on the, the show, what's up? And she's not paying attention. She's shouting and screaming, at someone saying, they read my text on air. They read my text on air. And it's like, why are you on hold? If you, I mean, I get you on your voice to be heard very well. I don't remember the, the opinion, but I just remember she was on hold and we read her text on the air. It's like she she definitely wanted to make sure her point got across one way or another. I mean, I guess can't falter for the double tap on that particular front, but that's a great tale. Yeah, uh... I'm sure it's happened on many other cases too, but nonetheless, I appreciate those who had submitted your hot takes. Zach, I think we have established through two episodes now what a hot take is and what a hot take isn't. I'd love for fans to submit theirs uh, in the future. Uh, and Instead of reading all of them, we'll read probably just a couple, maybe just the good ones. If there's a terrible one, we'll probably just read it and have fun with it as well. But Zach, we've uh, established what a hot take is by now, correct? Absolutely. You and I believe Enrique have also shown us what a white hot take is. <laughs> yes, that was definitely... I like the uh, the Batman one so far. That's been my favorite so far. Uh, but we've had a couple of good submissions. So, again, if you guys want to give us your hot takes or just interact with us in general or comment on anything we've discussed, 913-808-2119. Leave us a voicemail or a text. 913-808-2119. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Follow us on Twitter at Farzine21 and at Z Stegengoth. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean, and make sure you hit the share button as well. Zach Stegna here with me, Farzim Vesugian, on this episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the episode. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We will talk to you guys next week. Take care.